It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by SaaS marketing agency Advanced B2B. It's your host here Edward Ford and joining us today is Ed Shelley, Director of Content at Chartmogul as we explore the world of content marketing and its role as a growth driver. Ed joined Berlin-based Chartmogul as the company's first full-time hire And in this episode, Ed shares his insight on how you can build a highly engaged content audience, including how Ed started building out Chartmogul's content strategy, how to measure the success of your content efforts, the keys to creating successful, engaging, evergreen content that compounds over time, how Ed uses Quora to acquire traffic. We also talk about why Chartmogul decided to ungate all their content and the impact it had on their marketing and growth funnel, and why Chartmogul decided to launch a podcast alongside what it takes to create and run your own show. And finally, Ed shares with us his philosophy on the ultimate purpose of why we do content marketing. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where Ed takes on our Fast Five Challenge and gives his best piece of advice for fellow marketers. So here is episode 13 of the Growth Hub podcast with Ed Shelley, Director of Content at Chartmogul. Welcome to the Growth Hub podcast, everyone, and uh, welcome to the show, Ed Shelley of Chart Mogul. How are things down in Berlin? Thanks, Edward. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm good, and I'm I'm really excited to be talking to you. Uh, Berlin's great, but it's it's currently raining and, and getting much much colder and darker here. So, um, we're, like winter is definitely coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ned Stark, he he's always right, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and actually one thing I want, to, I want to ask before we jump into the topic of today, and that's actually that you host the SaaS Open Mic podcast, which uh, we're big fans of. So how does it actually feel to be on the other side of the microphone? Yeah, I don't know yet. Maybe ask me, ask me at the other end of this conversation. It feels <laughs> okay. a little bit strange and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sat here without like my usual kind of uh, interview preparation sheet that I do. So uh, it's, it's, it feels a bit like jumping into the deep end, but... Um, no, it's cool. It's really interesting, actually, to 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 be able to talk about what what I'm doing rather than like interviewing other people about what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Good to be able to to answer the questions for once instead of asking them. And uh, and today we're actually going to be talking about content marketing. But your background is actually in computer science. So first question: how how did a software engineer end up in content marketing? <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's a really good question, and it's um. It's definitely not by design. Like I, so as you mentioned, I, I studied, um, I studied computer science, uh, back in school and, and ended up spending a couple of years as a software engineer before I really started to move a bit more into, um, product management. So that was like, a a, a thing for me, um, a couple of years down the line. And, um, I, I really feel, I think I'm still a product guy. Um, I, I think I think on, on that kind of level and I, I really enjoy a lot of the problem solving and, and thinking that goes into product management. But um, I actually ended up in content marketing because I, I met Nick, uh, the founder and CEO of Charmobile, uh, at an event just as he was launching the, I think it was the private beta of, of Charmobile. So this was like back in the really early days. 
and I actually approached him uh, for a podcast I was doing at the time, which was called Berlin Startup Radio, which was basically a thing where I was talking to uh, a bunch of startups here in Berlin, trying to like tell their story. And, and uh, at the time, there wasn't really anything in space here um, in terms of a podcast. Uh, and I guess he kind of saw that um, I was doing some interesting content stuff and he was looking for somebody uh, to, to build out the content strategy there. But uh, he was specifically looking for somebody who's not uh, kind of a traditional marketer. He, he wanted someone with a background uh, either in product or engineering or both. And I think what he was looking for there was like, given the, the nature of what Charmogle is, you know, it's, it's an analytics platform that uh, is fairly deep in kind of revenue analytics and finance. He, he wanted somebody that could very quickly get this kind of depth of knowledge um, to, to kind of establish the brand as a thought leader and, and to build out the content strategy. So um, as a product slash uh, former engineer there, like I, I think it's given me a bit of a different uh, view on a different approach to, to content marketing. I tend to treat the things I do at Charmogle, uh, even content projects as a kind of product um, in the sense that I think uh, everything we do has, has like a user experience and you can think about things like onboarding and these are all like product concepts that apply very nicely, translate very nicely across into content marketing. Yeah, and, and you actually joined Chartmogul, I believe, as the company's first full-time hire. And like you said, your, your goal was to build out the content strategy. So tell us, you know, where did you start? Yeah, I didn't, looking back, uh, I, I really didn't have that much of a clue. And I was really looking for some kind of uh, way into this. Um, I obviously had, had done some reading and, and uh, spoken to some other people in the space. Um, I guess the main thing was, first of all, I, I wasn't, it wasn't completely from scratch, right? So we, when I joined, um, we just published, or, or Nick Afano had just published this SAS metrics cheat sheet, uh, which, which is still there on our site today. And the thing was like, this was um, in the beginning when, when Nick published this, it was, kind of immediately a huge success, uh, at least for us at that point. Like it, it got a ton of like buzz around it. It was, you know, it was on Hacker News for a whole day at, at the top of the site and several other people picked it up and it, and it gave us this huge spike. So I was, instead of like really starting from scratch, I was more kind of left to try and almost reverse engineer the success of this thing and, and to understand how we could like, turn this into something that we can like reliably build an audience uh, around. Um, I, but actually from that, I, I really just started out by writing. Um, and, and it wasn't until sometime after that, that we kind of took a step back and looked more closely at the, at the strategy side. I think the reason for that was that, you know, when you start with nothing, um, especially in, in content, you, you don't really have anything that you can experiment with or, or do anything with. So, the first, I guess the first six months was really like a long grind towards like building up this, this body of content that, that we could then go and, and experiment with a little bit and, and play around with, with the strategy. And I think also just getting your head down and, uh, and getting on with, with that work in the beginning was the right step for me rather than, uh, you know, thinking a lot, I would probably be faced with some 
some form of like uh, indecision. What, what's the term like? Decision fatigue or uh, analysis paralysis is, is the term I'm looking for. Okay, yeah. And um, I guess the next question is then regarding measuring success <clears throat> of content efforts because that is, of course, super important. So <clears throat> when you started out building your content strategy and started um, you know, publishing content, how did you actually measure and define the success of your content marketing? And you know, what would you define as your North Star or Compass metric? <clears throat> At the beginning, it was very different to how it is for us today. And, and we've learned a lot in, in the last you know, two and a half, three years that we've been doing this. Um, for us in the beginning, we were really chasing uh, signups just because it was such an, an early point in the, in the company that, you know, we, we kind of live and die by the number of, of new trial signups we get for, for our products. So it, it, it kind of made sense that that was the, the goal of, of content marketing and that was the way we, we measured success. But as we went on, we kind of, in a way, like slowly fell out with that way of thinking as, as we realized um, that wasn't, although that was like a side effect of, of great content marketing, it, it wasn't really a goal that was um, something that was so actionable for us. So over time we've, we've gone on to measure, um, more what we would refer to as like engagement metrics and this is something we focus on today so um yeah this is so this is the question people ask me about the most by far it's it's about you know every content marketer out there is is trying to they kind of struggle with measuring the success of what they do right like they want to justify their existence and they want to understand uh where they're going and, and what kind of thing they can use as a compass metric and, and so for us, that right now is, is engagement um, because in, in my opinion, like engagement is, is a leading indicator of success, right? So you, you, have, um, you have things like traffic and page views and all these other things, but they're really just side effects of the success. So if you try to use those as a, something that drives decision-making, it's almost, it's too disconnected from, from what you're actually doing because it's too far down the funnel. But with engagement, and for us, engagement is, is a combination of different things, but things like share rate and, and kind of, uh, article completion rate and things like that and time on site. Um, we know that if, if something has, if something ranks highly in those kind of metrics, it, it doesn't need to have like a large amount of traffic, but we know it's got like really strong potential to perform well. So that that is kind of a much more actionable way to 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 tell us that we can maybe invest more in uh, distribution of this particular thing, or we, we can uh, get it in front of more people. So yeah, it's, it's all about engagement for us right now. Yeah, exactly. And, and you've talked before about the importance of engaging evergreen content that uh, essentially compounds over time. So can you elaborate on what that is and, and tell us the keys to creating successful evergreen content? Mm. Yeah, this is something I was kind of aware of uh, when I started out and everybody was talking about it, but it wasn't until a couple of years later that I really saw the, the power of evergreen content. Um, so just to summarize, evergreen content is, is something that's basically, it's always of interest and of use to readers. So it, it never really expires, or at least it's, its uh, expiry date is like long after it's published. So um, we try to publish a high proportion of evergreen content and it's it's definitely not everything that we do we we still jump on some some topical things that um 
perhaps have a shorter shelf life uh, where we see it's appropriate. But most of what we do is evergreen content. And um, I would say that the, the keys to kind of success with it, I think if you look at um, what other people in this space are doing, uh, you, you can kind of take some, uh, use some other sites as a role model. And one one site we looked at early on that was really interesting to us was, uh, it's called Vox. It's, uh, it's actually a media publication. And Vox is really interesting because they took uh, kind of news, something which is, but like by definition, it's, it's not evergreen, but they've built this site around um, kind of completely evergreen, uh, explainer type content so they've taken something that that's uh, traditionally not evergreen and, and made it evergreen. so vox instead of publishing like specific news stories about what happens um they publish explainers so for example um the the war in syria they wouldn't publish an article about something that happened there they would publish an explainer uh like you know ha like the history of conflict in syria and that's something that's always relevant. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't really expire or in, in its educational. So we've kind of used that as a model. And when it comes to succeeding with it, I don't know. I, I think if you just try to focus uh, more on thinking about that in the ideation process and, and producing more evergreen content, it, like that will pay off over time. But um, it does take time. So like I said at the beginning, um, we haven't, like it's taken us two years to realize just how powerful that is. And just as an example, today on our blog, I think probably about, if you look at the top five blog posts we have today, probably I think about three of them are over a year old. And that's crazy, right? Like we're publishing things every week. Uh, we're, we're, you know, slaving away, <laughs> writing and publishing. But the, the, the top three things this week were published over a year ago. Um, and, and that to me was something that really showed the, the true power of, of evergreen content. Yeah, so how do you actually then balance between, you know, the sort of publishing of high quality evergreen content and then, you know, making sure you have enough content coming out on a regular basis, this sort of balance between quality and quantity. What advice would you give content marketers around this? Mm. I think there is a strong uh, bias towards quantity that that people uh, that in in general ends up being a bad decision uh, we see that over time like all the things we've uh, done that have focused more on quantity have given us short-term gains and uh, have ended up in in the long term not really paying off um, today we if there was a slider we're, we're almost all the way i guess towards quality because in in every project that we've done the 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 deeper we get into something that we believe is is really new and really adding something uh to the conversation or to the to the industry and in terms of the discussion um when we're really breaking new ground these are the projects that uh do the best like the the these are the ones that are the huge success for us and that may mean we and a lot of those things uh, take you know weeks to produce whether it's a, a printable resource like a guide or, or an ebook or a really in-depth uh, analysis piece like 
these are the things that are successful for us. So this has led us to really focus almost 100% on, on quality. Yeah, and retention, that is a big challenge when you're trying to build an engaged content audience. But you've actually used Quora quite successfully as a way to keep people coming back to your content. So can you tell us about how you did that? Yeah, it's funny. Quora has been really huge for us and we, we didn't really expect that. It was one of like many experiments we did earlier on uh, in, in, you know, probably at least a year ago now. So we took the strategy of, of publishing, uh, really, like obviously Quora is a question and answer platform and, and it's built around different topics and the, the SaaS community on Quora is actually really huge thanks to the likes of uh, Jason Lemkin who's really built the, the SASTER community around Quora. So it's like that was there in, in the first place, which I, I guess made it easier for us. But our strategy there was to just answer relevant questions, uh, i.e. questions around SaaS and metrics and analytics with uh, kind of quality that's, you know, kind of 10x uh, in, in terms of it's it blows people away uh, and it's not the kind of answer they would expect on Quora. So you know, somebody asks about a certain metric, we give them a, a big breakdown with, with like diagrams and, um, and formulas. And we, we just be really useful and, and, and kind of wow people with our, uh, the quality of the answers there. And, and then linking back to more uh, useful resources that are similar on our, on our own site at the end of the answer. And just doing that um, and putting, investing some time into kind of building up a body of content there has led to Quora being the, the number one referrer for us on our, on our site today. And we're not actually putting any additional effort there at the moment, but it's still paying us back. Um, I, I think Quora is great for SEO. It's like really optimized um, for, for search engine traffic. So if you can produce the best answers on Quora that, that, that end up being the number one answer in, uh, for the question, like that, that gives you a ton of visibility. And, and it also, it, it works as a seed for uh, the, our content as well, right? So if people are asking a lot of questions around certain topics, um, that's a trigger for us to say, okay, maybe we can write something here. And then when we do write it, we, we you know, put it back on, on Quora and, and, and help people out there too. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. Now, a big question I, I have up next, and that is uh, about a decision you made earlier this year, and that was to ungate all your content at Chart Mogul, which is, I think, certainly becoming a trend in B2B marketing. I, I think Drift were one of the companies that really led the way with their no forms movement. And uh, I actually spoke with Dave Gerhardt, their marketing director, uh, about that on, on episode eight. But uh, tell us, so firstly, why did you make this decision? And secondly, how has it affected your whole marketing operations? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting topic. And, and uh, it's something that we're definitely not like we haven't come to a, a real conclusion on this. It's something we're experimenting with over time. So we, Charmogul has like a library of downloadable resources. Uh, it's at charmogul.com slash resources. And we have a nice page there with all of these, um, you know, beautifully designed cheat sheets and guides uh, to that people can download and take away with them. Um, so up until a point um, earlier this year, like everything there required an email um, address to, to download and actually like we would go through the standard approach or what was kind of accepted as standard 
for SaaS, which is like you capture the email, you try to in some way engage with those people, you maybe like push them through a funnel uh, to with the goal of eventually like signing up a certain percentage of those uh, users to your product. We, we just found that um, we realized that the, the quality of the leads we were getting there really wasn't great. If you're like, if people are incentivized to provide their email just to get something, i.e. To, to download this content, they're not really, um, they don't really want to give you that email, right? It's not, it's not from their, it's not of their own volition. It's because we're, it's a, a value exchange. They give the email and they get the, the value. And so we found that um, a lot of the leads that, that we got that way were like, in fact, the vast majority of them we're not engaging uh, with us. And then we really just started to question why we were doing this strategy in the first place. And actually the answer to that was, well, everybody else was doing it at the time and, and it was kind of the accepted thing to do. So we, we just kind of followed the, the path. Um, honestly, I think this approach, it, it may have been effective in the past, but it really feels like something that's like a relic from the older days of, of B2B marketing. And I think there are probably better ways to, to engage with people that, that interact with your content today. So we're experimenting with this. We've, you know, guys like Drift, are, like you mentioned, are, are doing a really amazing job of trying to provide different mechanisms to engage with people on your site. Um, so we're looking at, at things like this. And I don't, I don't have the answer to this yet. It's impacted our business because we, we no longer have <laughs> a big list of uh, really uh, low quality leads to to wade through. Like it's it's actually been kind of liberating. I think um, it's scary, yes, because you know you probably rely on that in some way for for some of your inbound. But when you look at the the real value of it, um, for us, we just didn't. It wasn't worth the, the time investment to to do that anymore. So. Yeah, I'll, it's kind of a pending thing. Let's, let's see what happens. And we're, like I said, we're experimenting with some different ways to do this right now. Yeah, when you have more, more data and more results, you'll have to give us an update on, uh, on how it went. <laughs> you'll see a blog post, I'm sure, once comes to some conclusion. <laughs> oh, great stuff. And uh, as we mentioned, uh, you know, back at the start of the uh, episode, you're also host of Chart Mogul's podcast, uh, which is called mm. SAS Open Mic. So tell us, why did you decide to launch a podcast series as part of your content? Mm. You know, uh, like a lot of the things we do, um, uh, we do, like, I think we really value um, gut feeling at Chartmogul in, in, in combination with um, metrics. So we're, we're definitely like data informed, but so much of the stuff we do, especially in content, uh, just comes from a feeling that this is the right thing for us to do and also out of out of passion and, and curiosity so the the podcast falls into that category of uh you know i was i'm a, a bit of a podcast nerd if i'm honest and um i i consume a lot of podcasts and i was actually as i mentioned um doing a, a different podcast before i joined chart mobile so it kind of made sense for me to bring that into uh bring that into chart mobile and and see what we could do there and at the time when we started, uh, there wasn't really much in the SaaS space. Uh, I think now like a lot of people are, are doing that and they see it as a great uh, platform to, to kind of engage and, and do like a different form of storytelling through audio. Um, 
but yeah, it just made sense for us to explore it. And, and it's been really great. Like we've, uh, it's, it's like brought us much closer to our customers. A lot of what we do there is, is telling stories of our customers and how they grow their businesses. Um, I, I think it's, it's highly like personal format. Like you're in somebody's ear for 30 to 60 minutes. Um, and hopefully you, you have like their full attention or at least more so than when they're skimming through a blog post. Um, and you really have the opportunity to uh, produce something that's far more engaging than, than written word. Um, so it's, it, it's a passion and curiosity thing, but I, I think it's proven to be a really nice addition to uh, our strategy at, at Trauma for, for content. And, and we still believe in it moving forwards. Like we're, we're working on a new version of this uh, show that hopefully will we'll see the light of day in, in the coming months and we want to like really build on everything we've done to date and, uh, and take it to the next level as well. Yeah. And like you mentioned, a lot of companies are now setting up their own podcast shows. So I was wondering, could you give some insight into your own personal experiences of, you know, what it's actually like to produce, host, edit, promote, and, you know, ultimately create a podcast series? Yeah. I, I, as with everything, uh, the, the content, is key like people tend to obsess around the, the tools and the process and the production um i think ultimately if you can tell a good story and and uh and and can create something engaging content wise like it doesn't matter that much um for example the the quality of the audio you know as long as it's not distracting um people will consume and we see that in in every every space in content uh, it's the same with video like uh, uh, your video doesn't have to be the most professional but if you're telling a compelling story um then, then that's what matters so uh the biggest skill that i've had to learn to, to do the podcast is is on, around interviewing becoming a good interviewer is is i think a really underappreciated skill and it's um it's really hard. <laughs> I, I mean, you probably have some insight into this too, but um, asking the right questions to go beyond or like to go a bit deeper into someone's thoughts on, on a topic, uh, especially when you're interviewing founders, CEOs, people that don't have very much time and that are almost in a way, these guys are kind of programmed uh, to, to have certain responses on topics and they're maybe not the responses you're really looking for like the real insights like the gold nuggets come from from digging a little bit under the surface so i would say the number one skill there is becoming a good interviewer and and it's only it's something that you achieve through practice um and and so my advice to people that want to create a podcast is just to start start interviewing um and you know you might you might be a bit ashamed of the the first few uh, things you record, but I would just put them out there into the world and move on and, and learn from them. Yeah, and I know exactly how you feel <laughs> about <laughs> about what it takes to to set it up and the interviewing side as well. But I think it's quite interesting, you know, having interviewed several people up until this point on the Growth Hub podcast, and I see some similarities, particularly between yourself and and Dave Gerhard, who's the director of marketing at Drift, in that he set up his own podcast uh, called Tech in Boston, speaking with people in and around the Boston area who were doing interesting stuff in SaaS, setting up uh, high-tech companies. And then that is sort of what got him his job at HubSpot, and then from there at Drift. 
And same thing with you uh, setting up the podcast about what's going on in Berlin. And then that got you connected to Nick and now you're at Chart Mogul and both of you having the no forms movement. So yeah, I definitely think starting a podcast uh, seems like a lot of good things can happen when you do that, especially based on my experience as well. Um, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Just but, from a from a networking perspective as well. I mean, at the time when when I was when I was not at Chart Mobile doing doing a podcast before, nobody I found that nobody would say no to being interviewed. Um, people would say no to you know cold emails, um, meeting over coffee. These are all things that people are kind of preconditioned to say no to. But um, if you want to feature somebody in in an interview, like everybody just said yes, and. Uh, that's been really powerful when it comes to like building a network, a professional network. Yeah, exactly. I think very similar experiences here as well. Now we've, we've talked about a lot of different aspects of content marketing, but the key question that I sort of want to close with, and I think this was a real aha moment for many people who are at SaaS stock and, and saw your presentation. And ultimately that is, you know, just what is the purpose of content marketing? Mm. Yeah. So this is like the, the meaning of life question, right? It's yeah, got for exactly. content marketers. Um, and, and it's something that I've thought about a lot and, and probably only in the recent months, I kind of had this epiphany about it. And that was, uh, yeah, as you said, something I, I talked about it in my SAS talk, uh, talk. So we, we kind of bounced around between, you know, so what are we trying to do with content? We, we're trying to generate leads. We're trying to become a thought leader. We're trying to, establish our brand we're trying to build an audience and like yes all, all these things are things we're trying to do but it but it seemed like we were missing this kind of overarching uh philosophy on 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 the kind of uh purpose behind all of those things um so the the thing i realized is is was actually around like i i went back to our product and um if you look at our landing page uh it says something like uh if you go to charmobile.com, it says, uh, build a better subscription business. And it's like this great, like visionary, uh, goal. And it, and it really like embodies what we're trying to do as a company. Um, and it's been there like that, that hasn't really changed, um, over the time that Charmobile has existed. But looking at this, I kind of had this, this epiphany and I kind of thought, you know, like, why, like, why can't this be the goal of what we do in content as well? Um, we're we're putting all that all these resources out into the world we're writing articles but like really what we're trying to do is just help people build a better subscription business um every like all of the topics that we write around are there to uh educate people and give people the tools they they need to to do their job better to be useful and um so our, our content in a way is is kind of a like there is Charmogul, the product, which is a, a software uh, thing that helps people build a better subscription business. And then we have our content, which is kind of a non-software product in a way that also helps be, people build a better subscription business. Um, you know, we, we produce downloadable cheat sheets that uh, advise people about metrics and how to calculate them, uh, how to understand uh, like visualizations like cohort analysis. So for me, I realized like it's the same thing. We, the goal is exactly the same between those two things. Uh, so this kind of complete alignment between product and content, I, I think it creates like a really natural path for, for our audience. Um, if our content resonates with them, then you know, so will our products eventually. 
And so at some point in the future, when they uh, need a solution like Chart Mobile, they'll hopefully think of us and because they have, they've built up some association with our brand. And, and that's how content marketing works, uh, forgetting all the other like lead generation, audience building stuff. Like it, it's really a branding exercise. Um, and this alignment between product and content, I think is, it just makes sense to me. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's our goal. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you had one really good line during your presentation where you said that, you know, the purpose of your content marketing should be the same as the purpose of your business. And I thought it simplified, you know, such a complex world that is, you know, content marketing and, and just aligning those. I couldn't come up with a better definition of the purpose of content marketing if I tried. So yeah, and it, was... and it also works really well as a, as a compass metric. So if, if we continually question what we're doing and, and ask ourselves, you know, does this thing that we're working on help people build a better subscription business? Um, like that's a great, a great way to, to have some direction and some, um, some alignment like with, with our product when we're working on these things. And, and if we're always answering yes, then, then we're doing the right job, I think. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's move on to the closing questions now and, and you can take on our fast five challenge. So basically I'm going to ask you five questions and all you need to do is answer each one as quickly as possible. So are you ready? Oh, wow. Uh, I've never done this. This is, uh, okay. The adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. That's <laughs> Don't worry. It's, it's not too scary. Um, so first question would be, you know, what book or books are you currently reading? Okay. Uh, so I just finished, um, the total recall. It's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. It was amazing. Uh, if you want like an insight into like, like a true entrepreneurial mindset, uh, to me, Arnie is the guy to, to go to given, given his uh, amazing story that he tells. Secondly, um, uh, before, previous to that, uh, I was reading Shoe Dog. Uh, that's the story of um, Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. Uh, again, like incredible story, um, how he set out as a, as a young guy uh, back in the, I believe it was like the 70s, to, he flew to Japan and pitched this uh, shoe to, to Onitsuka, Japanese shoe company. And, uh, did this all completely solo and, and the, the journey from there is just incredible. Um, finally, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a sci-fi nerd. So I've been reading this uh, trilogy called the red rising trilogy by Pierce Brown. And uh, it's, it's like hunger games meets star Wars was the best thing I could. Uh, come up with. So <laughs> if you're into sci-fi, check it out. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. And I have to add that the first book I read this year with Shoe Dog, and it still is the best book I've read this year. So I would recommend everyone to check out Shoe Dog, especially if you're into sports and Nike. It's uh, it's such a good book. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Okay, second question: a SaaS company that you love and why? Okay, I got two. One is from a content perspective, and that is Intercom. Uh, Intercom is such. It's a. Those guys are really a role model for a lot of what we do in uh, in content and chart mobile and. I'm a huge fan of, of John Collins, the managing editor there and what he's doing with content at, at Intercom and, and really taking this kind of uh, from a, a journalistic background, this editorial approach to content marketing that basically throws away the, the playbook. Uh, product wise, SaaS company that I love at the moment is Calendly. Uh, Calendly is a, like a scheduling tool that I use to schedule meetings. Um, they're just, they have this incredible focus on iterating on this, on this user experience that they built 
I've actually interviewed Tope, the, the founder of, of Calendly. He's a, a really interesting guy. And uh, they, they've just rolled out this week, I believe, support for payments so that you can do this like payment uh, exchange for, for meetings and stuff, which really changes the game for that. So Calendly uh, is, is my recommendation there. Excellent. Okay, next question. You might have already answered this in your previous question, but let's see. Uh, your favorite place to read about marketing online? Uh, yeah, I don't read a lot of mark, like classical marketing stuff. Um, I, I'm going to say it's mainly podcast based. So uh, the Intercom podcast is incredible, amazing production quality, and they, they have some great guests on there. The Y Combinator podcast, um, I believe it was like the, the latest episode, or maybe it's a couple of episodes back now. There was a great one on content marketing. I, everybody should go check that out. It's, it's with two very uh, established, influential content marketers. And, and the, I was making notes on that through the entire thing. Uh, the Tim Ferriss Show is a podcast that I'm sure many people listen to, but uh, interviews there with uh, Seth Godin, for example, have been huge in, in the kind of why, the bigger picture of what we're doing in marketing. Uh, and then finally, Exponent, which is a podcast by Ben Thompson, who runs a site called uh, Stratechery. And that's really more like strategic industry level stuff, but he has a, this great understanding of uh, how the industry works and then that applies in, in the, on the marketing side too. Okay, awesome. Lots of recommendations. And don't worry, we'll put all the links to Ed's recommendations in the show notes. Uh, so you can check those out after you've listened to this episode. Uh, then fourth question, your most important growth metric. Mm. For me in content, it's, it's, it's twofold. It's engagement rate and referral rate. So like the best way to understand the, the things that are truly engaging uh, for me, uh, engagement and referral rate. And if, if for somebody to like be compelled to share something, uh, so like referral, it, it looks at like sharing and, uh, referral rate is basically of those that shared your content, like how many, uh, like referrals did they bring in? So it, it kind of goes quite deep down the funnel of, of engagement. But, um, I think people have to be really you have to build something amazing for people to really be compelled to share it. So um, that's the, the most important metric for us. Great. And finally, your best piece of advice for fellow SaaS marketers. Hmm. Uh, my advice to SaaS marketers is actually to disregard others. Um, and, and that might sound counterintuitive, but one thing I've realized is like, if, if you want to succeed in, in this space, and, and I'm guessing you do, <laughs> then you need to kind of tread your own path and, and form, form your own identity and you know, find your voice as so many people talk about. And you don't do that by following uh, strategies like growth hacks and things from other people. It's like all of that stuff is basically just a, a distraction and it leads to short-term wins rather than long-term gains. And, the people who are really succeeding at this stuff, they're not like, they're not reading all of that. They're just getting on with it. Like they they found the thing they've like got into their groove and they're, and they're just getting on with it. And um, so, yeah, my advice is just disregard what other people are doing. I, I don't think you need to like, I, I think there's more risk in following other advice and direction than there is in just 
not looking at it and, and like defining your own voice and getting on with it. Awesome. Ed, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us this morning about content marketing. It's been awesome having you on the show today. Thanks. It's, uh, it's been really cool. And uh, I'm now like an established interviewee and, and it didn't feel that, it didn't feel that bad. So thanks. Okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> that was Ed Shelley sharing the chart mogul story and outlining what it takes to build a highly engaged content audience. There was so much great advice. So make sure you give Ed a shout out on Twitter and you can follow him at Mr. Underscore Ed. Also, if you're enjoying the Growth Hub podcast, then please subscribe and leave us a review. We'd truly appreciate any feedback you have. And as always, you're more than welcome to get in touch with me on Twitter at Nordic Edward. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by SaaS marketing agency, Advanced B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off. And make sure you check out the Growth Hub at advancedb2b.com slash the Growth Hub for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying differently.